We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Let's hit the numbers fast and furious. October 8. NASDAQ was up 1% yesterday. The S&P 500 up 8 tenths of 1%. The Dow up just a skosh, up 98 basis points, 9 tenths of 1%. Uh, Bitcoin, 53,850. So it seems like 40,000 is the buy area. Maybe 60,000 is the sell. I don't know. I'm really not an expert on that. GM was up a whopping almost 5% yesterday. That's a pretty big story. GM basically said, we're going to grow revenues aggressively. Um, It's given a lot of details around its big electric vehicle pivot this week. Um, They've got an amazing, amazing attack going or how shall we say chest thumping, chest bumping with uh, Tesla right now on full self-driving. They seem to think they got it better than Musk has it. Stocks continued their upward march yesterday after Democrats and Republicans came to a short-term agreement to raise the debt ceiling to buy $480 billion, which should be enough to cover the U.S.'s bills through December 3rd. GM stock on a roll, helping the Dow. Um... Trick or treat, this is a big question, right? For children, um, Pfizer and BioNTech asked the FDA to authorize their COVID vaccine for kids ages 5 to 11, and shots should be given as soon as November 1. That's going to be controversial. A lot of pediatricians are saying, let's do this as slowly as we can. CEO Elon Musk said Tesla is leaving Palo Alto, its home since it was founded in 2003. Heading to Austin, Texas, where Tesla is building a massive factory complex. Um, Elon Musk said, and this sounds about right, it's tough for people to afford houses. And people have to come in from far away. There's a little bit of how big you can scale in the Bay Area. Kind of has a point. A new report projected the median price for a home in California will reach 834000 in the year 2022. After growing 20% this year. Silicon Valley is even more expensive. A house in metro area has a median price of $1.7 million. I just sold a home that I bought 12 years ago for $950,000. It's five miles north of Palo Alto. Sold it for $2.65 million. <clears throat> and my reason that I wanted to leave the area, I had teenage boys who, you put three men who are 200 pounds they're not 200 pounds yet, but they're going to be. You put three men in a basically a glorified apartment, 1,600 square feet. It's not going to work. Um, Tesla's relationship with California. 
hit the rocks last year as Musk railed against the COVID restrictions in spring 2020. He was forced to halt production at Tesla's plant in Fremont. He even called Alameda County's COVID restrictions fascist on an earnings call. Here's going to be some pluses and minuses with moving. Musk personally moved to the Austin area from Los Angeles to be closer to his other two companies, SpaceX and The Boring Company, both of which have operations in Texas. Texas is a very business-friendly, low-tax-rate state. A few years back, you may remember listening to the radio, and there were ads. I'm Bob, 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 the governor of Texas. If you're a business in California, you should come here. I always find that kind of weird when we kind of root against each other. But I get it. Um, you want to talk some high-yield bonds? The 25th installment of James Bond franchise, and the last for Daniel Craig, No Time to Die, is hitting theaters across the United States and Canada after an 18-month pandemic delay. It was the poster child of what happened to Hollywood. I believe Daniel Craig went on Saturday Night Live one week or two weeks before it was supposed to launch. Pre-shutdown of everything. And then it's 18 months later, we get to finally see the movie. No Time to Die is expected to make 60 to 70 million over its opening weekend. That number could soar even higher. Last weekend, Venom 2 beat expectations for a $90 million debut. It would be really, really nice to see $100 million. With that said, we're also hearing a lot of news about the vaccines losing effectiveness. It still protects you against from dying, but you could get COVID a second time, even if you had two shots. Um, what are some of the other stories out there today that we really have to hit? Um, Twitch offered a brief explanation for the platform's giant leak. Company explained how hackers accessed creator payouts and source code. So there was no indication that users' login or credit card information was breached. Netflix employees are caught in a very California scenario. Dave Chappelle's new special hit Netflix. Dave Chappelle is a really weird guy to me because I want to really love him. And I kind of do, but then whenever I'm watching, I'm like, eh, I could watch something else. And that's what happened with his special. He made some transphobic, transphobic comments. And the employees are like, what do we do? This is our company. that He's poorly representing the um, transphobic people or the trans. Uh, saying uh, he agreed with the creator of Harry Potter that identity is identity. A male born a male is a male. Female born a female is a female. For some reason, that fight's just not mine. I just want people to be happy. Google and YouTube will prohibit monetization of climate denial content. Again, a very California thing to do. Google and YouTube won't let climate denying creators profit on their platforms. One of the most aggressive policies any tech giant has set around the climate change debate. Snapchat rolled out safety features to cut down on sales of illegal drugs. I would love to know how this works. And then at the same time, I'm like, nah, I don't really think I need to know that one. Snapchat rolled out safety features to cut down on the sales of illegal drugs. I'm like, really? There's been a string of fentanyl deaths. A safety portal will now redirect users who search for certain terms to educational materials about illegal drugs. Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, man. What a mess she got herself into. 
her defense lawyer just wrapped up a four-day long cross-examination, and the judge put it into it after former lab director Adam Rosendorf gave a damning testimony against Theranos' fallen boss. The lawyer attempted to destroy his credibility with the jury, only to earn a harsh rebuke from the judge. I kind of dig judges. (laughs) I don't know why. Oh, I know one. Oh, he's my brother. New hires at Uber could now unlock more of their equity faster. While Google, Stripe, and Coinboys could in Silicon Valley's famed rest invest culture to company equity. Um, how do you pay employees? It's interesting, right? Some people look at stock options and they're like, uh, I'm going to keep my own company stock option. And probably the most dangerous stock you could own is your own company stock. Not because of the of what they do. It's because they also pay your rent or mortgage. They pay for your car. They pay for your food in your paycheck. So sometimes letting it ride a little bit too long on the company you work for, not a good idea. Did you guys see the Mark Zuckerberg post that he uh, basically went after the whistleblower? It's long. <laughs> do you buy the Facebook dip is the question. Stock is slumping. Stock is is expected to rise 35% in the coming year. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Today, I'm honored and appreciative to be joined by CFP Chad Burton. He's a regional director and partner at EP Wealth. He and I have been working in media for 20 plus years. He's really good at what he does, so you're in for a treat. Chad, it seems like the jobs number this morning was going to be a, a big deal. And then maybe it wasn't, but maybe it is. What's your opinion? What's your take on the, the number from the jobs report? Well, I think it's, you know, we, we've got a little bit of a lull here. First of all, it's very hard for a lot of firms to hire right now and find good quality people. Mm-hmm. And then it's also still been hard for a lot of people that own restaurants and things like that to get people back to work. There's a lot of job hopping right now. So I don't, you, you can tell the market is not worried about this report. We think that it'll just kind of roll over into the next month. Um, so, you know, the market's positive right now. The S&P 500 is positive. Bond yields are uh, up, which means the prices went down. So the bond market's not really concerned buying it. They, you know, I think we're still on track for sometime next month or the month after the Federal Reserve to stop buying as many bonds as they've been buying and mm-hmm. supporting the lofty bond prices. So I still think interest rates drift upward. Um, so I'm not too concerned about it, honestly, Rob. I don't think the market is either. It's interesting because I think I have a different philosophy. I just think the, the labor market's changed and it took COVID to do it. 
that, you know, three, four years ago, we were talking about minimum wage, $15 minimum wage, $15 minimum wage, livable wage, $15. And now we're like 21 to 25 <laughs> seems to be the new number. And it's happening um, because like you said, it's uh, businesses are having a tough time finding labor. So I'm not worried. I think capitalism will figure itself out, but it is, um, it is a shift. It feels like it feels like people are, ch- are changing their minds on how they view work. Now let's talk a little bit more about employment though. Stock market. I think we were, you and I were both feeling cocky in August, like ah, another record high, ah, another record high. Oh, I've got so much money. I another record high. Um, and then September came and we got a little bit more sober. Maybe I shouldn't be buying that boat. Maybe I shouldn't be buying that house. Maybe I shouldn't be buying. Um, do you see any of that in your clients at this point in time where people got a little bit too cocky or maybe they're getting a little bit nervous now? Not really. I mean, I, you know, we, we've been prepping that, hey, you know, we're well overdue for a correction. It had yep. gone, what, 11 months without a 5% correction. So we finally had one. I was actually kind of hoping, Rob, would get a little bit deeper, shake out some of the speculation in the market that is there right now. Um, it, because you've got a lot of younger people, like we talked about before, that have gone, like, bypass the foundational portfolio building of, you know, just good companies or, or just indexes or ETFs and gone straight to speculation of IPOs and cryptocurrency and things like that, which is very, very volatile. But I've seen those type of same people, you know, I was getting texts and emails from old friends or texts and messages through, in, through uh, social media from, you know, old friends that, you know, honestly, we're trying to call tops and bottoms in the stock market all of a sudden. I'm like, you know, I, I, all I say is, Hey, you know what? I buy good companies, good funds, and if the market has a 10, 20% correction, I just buy more. And in the meantime, I reinvest my dividends because anytime you have a large correction, it's typically the buying opportunity the next five to 10 years. So, you know, stop trying to play the game. I've been doing this for 28 years and timing the market doesn't work. If you get out, the second part of that is getting back in on the right time. So I don't know. It's, there's just a lot of speculation in the market right now of mm-hmm. people that, like I said, they've bypassed the foundational portfolio building and got right into speculation. It kind of reminds me of 06. It kind of reminds me of 1998. I, I feel a lot of that. But how about some of the people that are not going back to work because the stock market did well? I can give you a great example. I've got a friend who sold his house um, in Richmond and his wife is like, she's spending the money. She's like, she sees it as a payday. And with the stock market running up or Bitcoin running up, do you look at any sort of uh, windfalls per se as a cash register opening up? Um, are you seeing, what are you seeing out there from some of the big run-ups and assets that we've seen? Oh, yeah. A ton of like, you know, option grants, uh, vesting and people having large amounts of money in windfall or a lot of acquisitions occurring. You're not, I mean, IPOs are up. They're still at a very low level compared to what they used to be, but there's a lot of smaller companies being acquired by larger companies. And so a lot of windfalls happening right now, um, especially in the tech and biotech sector. So yeah, I'm seeing a ton of that. And then I'm seeing a lot of people look at their portfolios and, you know, dealing with COVID. And I mean, look, if you were going to retire in two or three years, Rob, and all of a sudden your portfolio jumped ahead two or three years mm-hmm. and because of this run up. Yeah. And the only reason that you really weren't retiring is because you kind of enjoyed where you work and the people, you know, being around them, the, the camaraderie, the collaboration, and you've been working at home for 18 months, basically practicing being retired. You're just going to kind of be done, right? So th- there is a lot of people retiring right now. It's a huge demand. 
Do you think that's a mistake? I think it very well could be because, I mean, if, if we talk about how much more expensive retirement is right now, it's, it's way more expensive. And the reason why it's way more expensive, if you just simply look at, you know, AGG, which is an ETF that tracks the iShares core U.S. aggregate bond index. It okay. used to be called the Lehman Brothers Index back in 2007 before Lehman collapsed. And then it kind of transferred into this one. Um, I mean, rates on that bond index were above 4.5%. And now you're talking 1.8%. And then if we look back at what we used to earn on our cash accounts, which was two and a half, three percent versus, you know, a quarter of a percent to a half a percent, if you're lucky and you go to like Capital One 360 or Ally, um, you know, it's, you're not earning anywhere near as much money on your cash and your bonds and inflation is going up. And I don't believe it's just all transitory because of the supply chain. Okay. The supply chain is going to take a while to work out. The demand is huge right now. I mean, most companies I know are doing better than they've ever done before. So there's a lot of demand and there's a lot of demand for higher wages, especially at that lower to middle class level. And that means companies' profits are going to get kind of eaten into because of the higher wage inflation. And guess what? Um, they're just going to pass that cost on to everybody else. And We've got so, about a minute and a half. If low rates make you second guess investing in bonds, what would you be doing at this point in time? Give me some action points. Well, okay. So first of all, and let's talk about next segment, how much more expensive it is to retire right now because of where rates are. Okay. But the first one would be, you know, be more comfortable with more risk in your portfolio mm -hmm. and be aware of how the market works. So we should really dive into that. But if you're going to take more risk in the portfolio, you want to make sure you have a bit more cash on the sidelines to make it through market corrections. So uh, the other one is that, you know, if you have a windfall or, you know, you need to reduce your equity exposure, but you're just not interested in taking a big jump into bonds right now because interest rates are trending upward and the overall bond market is negative for the year. Look at paying off your mortgage. If you're in a home that you're going to be in for the next, you know, 15, 20 years or or uh, and you're all the way through your mortgage, uh, then you know, there's nothing wrong with paying off your home going into retirement instead of investing in bonds. Okay, that's good action points. We'll pick up on the retirement planning process when we come off break. That seems like it was a great first segment. I appreciate it. You can find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. It's C-H-A-D-B-U-R-T-O-N. He and I have worked together for many, 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 many years and we continue with EP Wealth. Um, he's the regional director and a partner at EP Wealth. Like I said, you can find him at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. He's the type of guy you need to know going into retirement. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me at robblackshow.com. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Speaking with CFP, Chad Burton, about issues that come up planning your retirement. Chad Burton is a certified financial planner. He is a fiduciary. He acts in your best interests. You can find him at EP Wealth or his website, chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. Financial planner is a relationship that I find very precious and very key. Even in my own scenario, I use one of Chad's hires, a guy named Brad, as my financial planner. I know a lot, but financial planners know a lot more than me, and they know how to massage it way better than me. For instance, in the first segment, Chad and I were talking about low rates and bonds. And Chad said, maybe consider paying off your mortgage. Chad, finishing that topic of some specific action points, how about no load annuities as alternatives to bonds? Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, before paying off the mortgage, I mean, you've got to, you know, look at an overall financial plan and yes. make sure it's looked at from a tax angle and how that would affect your 
itemized deductions versus your standard deduction. So that's not, that's not advice. That's just something that some people have done. Okay. Uh, so keep that in mind. Um, in terms of no load annuities, there are some decent ones out there. So if a person, let's say is, you know, let's say you're like five years from retirement and you know, you're way too much heavily weighted in stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're kind of looking at bonds saying like, why would I want to sell my stocks that are yielding one and a half, 2% to buy bonds that are yielding about two to two and a half percent, which can go down in value when interest rates go up. And so a kind of a spot in between stocks and bonds is no load variable annuities where the money is invested half in equities, which are stocks and half in, in fixed income, which is bonds through sub accounts and sub accounts just basically are kind of like a form of mutual fund inside of an annuity. Right. Mm-hmm. And while it's invested in there, there is certain income guarantees where as it's invested, they'll say, okay, if you, you know, hold this thing uh, for five years and you wait to take income, then your guaranteed lifetime withdrawal amount will, it will be based on your original investment plus 5% a year or whatever the investment returns. And it gets locked in at retirement in terms of income. And then your income is guaranteed for life. So that means if you're, you ever run out of money, let's say you're 86, there's poor market performance and you're drawn out five or 6% a year, or let's say four or 5% a year. And the account value goes to zero. The insurance company is then on the hook to continue to pay you for the rest of your life, as long as you live. And you can do it based on one life or based on you and your spouse. And so there is extra fees in it, typically on the no load ones or, you know, somewhere around one and a half to 2% a year. Mm-hmm. You do not want these from commission-based insurance salesmen because the commission-based ones that you get through insurance salesmen uh, have really high fees because they end up paying a commission of five to 7% for the person in the first year, but there are no load versions of these things. And so you got to make sure they're with a good, good insurance company because you know, the, the, they're, they're not on the hook until much later in the life in life. So um, it's a way to say, I'm going to take stock money. I'm going to slightly diversify it into bonds, but I want an income that's higher than bonds. Um, and you know, it's a good source of, of income because you know, you, if, if, if all else fails in the portfolio, a highly rated insurance company will have to take over those payments. Now, the thing is, Rob, is even the no load versions of these things, if interest rates ever return to normal, let's say we get closer to, you know, three and a half percent or four on the 10 year treasury, yep. I won't be using them anymore. I'll just go back into normal bonds. I'll, I'll do laddered bond portfolios where I have a, a big chunk of money coming due every five years and in individual bonds. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a long ways out, my friend. <laughs> I don't see rates returning to that anytime soon. Uh, but what yeah. happens if, if they do on these no load products, you can leave and take your money out anytime you want. Okay. No surrender. So it's, it's a good option. I think it's a decent option, a bond alternative for people that are kind of in that 55 to 65 range, or even right in the first part of retirement. And they're still looking to kind of cut out a little bit of risk without giving up income. Let's talk about now the voodoo that you do, the retirement planning process. What does it look like these days? Well, it does look a little bit different. I can talk about the process, but let's, let's get back into talking about how, more, how much more expensive it is to retire, right? Okay. So we're talking about the bond issue, bonds being so much lower in rates. Okay. So prior, the, the you know, 10-year treasury was you know, 
two thirds higher in terms of income in 2007. So bonds are paying us way less, a third of what they used to pay. And our cash accounts are paying us, you know, basically a 10th of what they used to pay. And so that means for retirees, it's, it's become more expensive to retire because your income from your safer assets are lower and we're starting to see higher inflation. So that's a bit of a rough combination. So I, mean, I am concerned that there's been this drove of people retiring with portfolios that are very risky and they don't have a plan for it. Um, but I can tell you how much more it is retire. So back in the nineties, so, you know, gosh, I started the business in, in 93, so 28 years ago. And there was the modern portfolio theory was all the rage and the, the, the paper on the safe withdrawal rate where basically they did a bunch of studies and said, okay, if you have a, a balanced portfolio of 60, 40, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and you're retired at 65 and you draw 4% out of that portfolio a year, and then you can increase it by two to 3% a year with inflation, then you should have enough money to last till you retire. So there was this rule of thumb of 4% rule. Right. And so that was based when bonds were like six, six and a half percent. That's not the case anymore. So back then, that type of a portfolio, Rob, it looked like it was, you know, 50%. Let's, let's just say you had 80, a need to take 80 grand out of your portfolio every year. Well, if you divide that by 4%, that's a $2 million portfolio to report some, to support somebody from age 65 to 95. And at a normal allocation of like 50% stocks, 10% cash, 40% bonds, that would have got you that 4% return, you would have been okay. But because bonds are much lower, that 10% that's in cash and 40% that's in bonds is yielding less than half of what it used to. The safer rate these days is a 3% draw rate. So if you divide $80,000 by 3% to get the, the portfolio that you need to support that 80 grand of income, that's $2.7 million. So theoretically, it's $700,000 more expensive now for a 65-year-old to retire and take 80 grand a year today than it was in 2006. That's kind of alarming. That's $700,000 more. And that's 80 grand. And that's, that's, you know, I don't know how far that gets you in the Bay Area. If you have a yeah. mortgage. You know how I used to say when I was 18, I only needed a million dollars to retire, but then I got a wife and kids. And it's like, I think 4 million is the magic number now. Um, how far off and how much do you hate people like me who use oversimplification of big round numbers? Well, you just use that. I, so I had somebody that had already retired. They came in with five and a half million dollar portfolio. Half of it was in IRAs. Half of it was in normal accounts. And I basically told them they're going to have to cut expenses. or They're going to run out of money at age 85. <laughs> it's all relative, my friend. So at your age, you'd want to look at like, if you want to retire today, you'd safely, because of inflation and low interest rates, yep. maybe two and a half, three percent of your portfolio is a draw. So, can you live off of that net of taxes and healthcare costs? Uh, that's the big question. I'm with you. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at chadburton.com. He's got a lot of great downloadables. He's with EP Wealth. He is the regional director. He's a certified financial planner. You can find his podcast under any podcast app. Um, just look for New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. I'm Rob Black. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. 
How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Rob Black talking all things financial. I'm joined today by CFP Chad Burton. He and I are both with EP Wealth after basically selling new focus to EP. Uh, we found gigs with a new mother company, so to speak. You can find Chad Burton if you need a certified financial planner in any podcast uh, app like Spotify under New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. But you can also find his website, chadburton.com. The website's got good downloadables. You can also hear him here Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 6 a.m. Chad, we're talking to retirement today and how naive some of us go into it thinking our assumptions are good enough. Let's talk about what the retirement planning process looks like for you these days. Yeah. Well, I mean, the basic idea when people come in and the the question is, is, can I retire or, you know, (laughs) when can I retire or when can I, you know, do something different, do a new job or drop to part-time second career. That's more fulfilling. Um, Any of those situations, because we do have a lot of alternate scenarios. Our software is very powerful where we can, you know, create uh, alternate scenarios very easily and show the differences between the the plans. It's really kind of handy. Um, the first thing that we need to have people do, of course, is, is to look at their expenses. You know, what are you spending now? And then what do you want retirement to be like? What are you going to do to get yourself out of bed every day? Okay. Um, what are you going to spend on healthcare? What do you spend on travel? You know, those types of things. That's actually a really big concern for me of what am I going to do, um, every single day? Cause I don't really have hobbies. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and see, I'm different. I'm the wave was like, you know, I, I don't mind working longer because I love what I do, mm-hmm. but the things that I like to do for hobbies require really good knees and hips and, and strong body. So I, um, I also have kids that are, you know, really enjoying and into traveling, which we didn't do a lot of as I was building the business. So I'm spending more money on those items. And, and then even my healthcare, you know, just personal fitness now more than ever before. Um, so everybody's a little different, right? I mean, some people want to travel a lot. Some people spend their entire career traveling and traveling sounds awful to them. So it just depends. And, and you got to go through your own expenses and sometimes some just I, overall counseling to say, what is going to fulfill you, you know, to do, uh, whether it's, you know, hobbies, whether it's spiritual, whether it's, you know, philanthropy, and you got to kind of figure out what that's going to cost versus what you're spending now. Okay. And then once we have those expenses, then we add in stuff like, okay, what is the cost of health insurance between now and 65 when you get on Medicare? Medicare Part B is around 150 bucks a month, but most people, especially in the Bay Area, end up paying IRMA, which is a big increase in Medicare costs because of their income. Uh, so we add that into the plan. We add the basic co-pays and prescription drug costs, Part D and all that stuff into the plan. And then we make sure you're thinking about random expenses. So... Uh, give you an example, Rob, a guy I know up in Camas, Washington, bought a brand new rental from Lennar Homes. He likes mm-hmm. to buy brand new houses, so he doesn't have to deal with stuff. Right. The 25-year roof lasted seven years. So it's a $20,000 expense he didn't think about on his rental property. Um, and then people remodel their homes every once in a while. Can I ask about the roof real quick? Sure. If he bought it from Lennar and it's a 25-year roof, in theory, it is insured for 25 years. Whoever the roofer is, they could come and fix it. Oh, boy. On this one, there is a uh, – you didn't control the moss issue, okay. which then goes back to the property manager, which why didn't you control the moss? I mean, it's a it's an issue. So That's an issue. I'm with you. They're battling for sure. Um, 
but everybody's blaming everybody else. That's for it's it's this it's a messy one for sure. But I mean, just even remodeling. I mean, you think about living in your home for 15, 20 years and appliances go out. I literally had every single appliance go out in my home uh, in two years. Now I bought it in 2014. It was a home built in 2002. So it kind of makes sense. But um, you just, you have to think about that. You have to think about either, maybe it's a perpetual car lease or a new car every six to seven years. Yep. Um, all those different items and like how much are you going to help grandkids with education and those types of issues. So we kind of talk people through that and model it into the plan. Those are kind of the random every once in a while expenses. And then maybe even massive travel costs. That's probably not going to continue into your eighties. So we, we can cut that off in our cash flow projections. So we were very detailed on our cash flow and tax projections. So I need the expenses and I need your tax return. I need to know, you know, your tax return and your portfolio statements. Those are, we can get really far with expenses, tax return and portfolio statements. Tax return tells us, you know, where your income is coming from, how you're taxed, whether or not you're gifting, what your deductions look like and whether or not you should pay off a mortgage. Um, It is a huge piece of the puzzle for that. So once we have those items and then we input all of the account types that you have, you know, IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401ks, they're all taxed very differently. And so we put in all the account types and the actual asset allocation so that we can look at, say, a taxable brokerage account that you own yourself or with your spouse or in a trust and say, look, this has a certain amount of dividends being kicked off that you're paying taxes on, even if you don't spend it. It has a certain amount of interest being kicked off. And once we retire, we turn on the tap for those and we send those dividends and interest to your checking account. So what's that situation look like between your dividends and interest on your taxable non-retirement accounts between your and your social security, pension, rental income? Um, what, what's your total income and how much are you going to need to draw from your portfolio every year after tax? right? So the, ter- the type of accounts that you have, the cost basis on your taxable accounts, uh, where everything is tax-wise determines how much you're going to draw on your portfolio every single year, which then kicks off the process of determining what your overall asset allocation should be, right? Yep. Now, in the initial cash flow projection, Rob, we assume people hold off on drawing off of their IRAs and 401ks until age 72, which is the new required minimum distribution age. That's when you have to draw on them. So so the first stab at the cash flow projection, we assume you're living off of other assets first. All right. And now also, if you do that, can you afford to wait till age 70 to take social security? Because if you wait from full retirement age to age 70 to take social security, it's like an 8% rate of return on your social security money, but you have to have other assets to be able to support that. So we kind of go through that process of when do you take social security? When does that make sense? And um, if we hold off drawing on your IRAs to say age 72, do you have enough cash and other assets to support that so that we can look at IRA to Roth conversions? And it's very important to look at that from retirement age through age 72 to age 72, because that's the lowest tax bracket you're ever going to be in, in most cases. So it could make sense to do small chunks of IRA to Roth conversion. Even the new tax proposal isn't taking that away until like 2032. So we're okay there. Let me show everyone how quick you think on your feet. I got an email from someone asking, um, I don't know if I should do a Roth Roth 401k because I'm in a high tax bracket. I'm a high earner and the money will be taxed at the high rate versus doing the conversion later. 
it became very complicated. I was like, you need a CFP for this one. What, what's your answer on when should you not do a Roth 401k? Well, if, if you're a high tax bracket person and yep. you're behind on retirement planning, yes, you have not saved enough yet, you should not be doing the Roth. Okay. You should likely doing the pre-tax because that person is right. They're likely going to be in a much lower tax bracket when they finally retire. So you would have an answer. Yeah. And the, so after that, then if, if you are on track for retirement, then it depends on, okay, if you're on track for retirement, but every asset you have is in pre-tax IRAs and 401ks, you need tax diversity. You should probably bite the bullet, pay the taxes and yeah. start at getting a tax-free pool of money. Okay. Yep. And if you're <laughs> and younger, if you're younger, if you're like sub 35, go yes. for the Roth 401k, give up the tax deduction, go for the Roth 401k because taxes are going up. I mean, we have you know, we just see it from this increasing, you know, debt ceiling issue. We have every single politician that's come down the road since Reagan, including Reagan has spent more and more money and we're not paying for it. And they have an aging population. Taxes are going up in the future. There's no way they won't. We've got about a minute and a half. What else do we need to hit this segment? Well, yeah. So going through on the, the retirement planning process, you know, we go through that, you know, what's your portfolio draw look like? Do we have enough cash? We want three years worth of portfolio draws and safe money. Um, we, we run the, the cash flow model that includes, you know, very details on taxes and how much you're going to pay in health insurance costs. We run it at a conservative rate of return. Let's assume we only get five and a half percent on a balanced portfolio for a long period of time. Do you have enough money to last till age 100? If they do, then we move on to the next one, which is, okay, now if we set up your current asset allocation and we run a thousand different stock market scenarios, it's called a Monte Carlo simulation, what's your success rate? If that's 85% or more, then we, then we continue to move on and really plan the asset allocation, how much cash versus stocks versus bonds should you have versus what you have, and we start setting up accounts the right way. And the good thing about you know our model is we have every client has a personal financial site where they can see all of their assets in one place. Even if we're not managing them, they can run the cash flow projections. They can look at an estate plan inside to see how much assets they're going to leave to their kids when they're 95. And that gets used to you know set up the proper trusts and things like that. So it's a process, Rob, but there's a lot of meetings in the first year, especially. And then after that, it's monitoring you know, how much, how much cash do you have? How much cash did you spend last quarter? If the market's up, we peel off some of the growth and replenish that cash and, and make sure that we're always preparing for, Hey, the market's always going to treat us well over a long period of time, but for the 30% of the time it's negative, we got to have a good plan to get through those corrections. In 20 seconds or less, tell us the update on the Luke Bryant concert tickets with your daughter. Oh yeah. Be careful on that one. A lot of people got scammed at this last Luke Bryan concert. If you bought a ticket through Ticketmaster, people were like taking screenshots, apparently showing up early to the show. And so my daughter had bought one, paid a stupid amount of money more than I ever paid at her age and went to go check in. They said, your ticket's already been used. It's classic. So be careful on that kind of stuff on the resales. Thanks, Chad. You can find Chad Burton at chadburton.com. He is a certified financial planner. He has a podcast, which is great. You can find that at Apple or the Google podcast app. Look for new focus on wealth with Chad Burton. It's easy to find. You can find him also at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com.